When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, good, very good evening, everyone. Welcome to Drive on this Wednesday. Plenty happening and we'll keep you right up to date here on SENWA, wherever you may be listening on SEN 657 in Perth. SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the southwest and the gold fields at SEN 1611 on digital radio, SEN Peel, and of course on the SEN WA app. It's great to have your company. And of course, you can join us anytime on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line. It's 13 12 55. Day one of the very first uh, cricket test between Australia and Sri Lanka is currently underway. Sri Lanka are batting and are six for 177. And Nathan Lyon and Mitchell Swepson, uh, the spinners have taken two wickets apiece. Uh, Cummings and Stark took the first two of the innings. So it's six for 177. And I believe Sri Lanka have got four spinners in their 11. So it's going to be a real turning wicket and we're just wondering what sort of score would be a respectable score maybe 177 is not a bad total so Australia be keen to get the last four wickets as quick as possible on that turning wicket in Gaul well let's go to one of the most significant events uh, and we are so blessed here in Perth at the moment uh, the weekend just gone we had the state of origin New South Wales against Queensland uh, this Saturday night we also have uh, the Wallabies against the English here at Optus Stadium, but also we have a significant sporting event at RAC Arena, which is, we know, the home of the West Coast fever. And some weeks ago, many people see it a bit controversially, but Super Netball uh, allocated before the fever got there, before the Vixens got there, that RAC Arena in Perth would host the Super Netball Grand Final. And it was terrific, of course, in the major semi final when the fever defeated the Vixens and got the opening berth of two. The Vixens, of course, come from behind victory against the Giants last weekend, and it's all set for what's going to be a grandstand grand final, hopefully the first premiership for the West Coast Fever. Joining us is Dan Ryan, the West Coast Fever coach at the top of uh, Drive with Peter Vlahos. Dan, thanks for your time. No, he's not there at this point in time. Well, there you go. We had him waiting online, but... uh, he doesn't seem to be there. We'll try and get Dan back online after that huge rap that I gave the West Coast fever. So, by the way, just going back to the cricket, uh, Sri Lanka 6 for 177. Uh, Sri Lanka made a lovely gesture to honour cricket icon Shane Warne after his shock death earlier this year before play got underway. As the players were on the ground, Sri Lanka presented a plate to Cricket Australia Chief Nick Hockley, who's over there with a photo of Shane Warne. And the plate read, in Sri Lankan hearts, you shall remain a legend of the game of cricket and humanity in memory of Shane Warne. So that was a nice touch. We have now got Dan online. Dan, thanks for your time. 
Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Oh, exciting times. The countdown is on. <laughs> How's uh, how the night? You're getting much sleep or are you just too excited? No, sleeping very well so far this week, to be honest, mate. It's, um, it's been a good week. We're, we're well prepared. We're training well. We're preparing hard. And um, the girls are certainly training like demons. So things ticking along pretty nicely halfway through the week and, and looking forward to a pretty strong back end as well. We know that the West Coast Fever have been in grand finals before, but this is uncharted territory because in some ways here it's home. They've been waiting on it to arrive for a couple of weeks now. I believe that you know, there's been a lot of media requests and you're just suppressing it a bit. You're managing a bit to make sure they don't get overexposed or lose their focus. How are you handling the days leading up to the big one on Saturday? Yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge, obviously, a, a grand final build-up is always a little bit different and we're really trying to make a conscious effort to enjoy that process as much as possible but certainly not be distracted from what our job at hand is and the great opportunity we have uh, on Sunday. So we're trying to keep it, obviously, business as usual and keep the routine as consistent as it has been that's actually got us to this point in the season. So a few extra demands for media and all of those types of things that come with it, but really trying to ensure that our minds are clear on the job at hand and, and the girls have been exceptional in that so far in the in the past 10 days in, in building up to the grand final. So um, we know there's a lot of interest and support out there for us, which is amazing, and we're really keen to put on a great show on Sunday. I might have mentioned the matches on Saturday. Of course, it is on Sunday. Uh, there's so much happening in Perth at the moment. It's quite incredible. Saying that, uh, it's going to be... Uh, they'll be hanging from the rafters at RAC Arena. Did you see the preliminary final last weekend between the Vixens and the Giants? I actually watched it and walked away for a while and thought the Giants had it in the bag. It was a, a huge comeback by Melbourne, wasn't it? Uh, it was an incredible game. And, you know, we sat and watched as a team. We had a practice match beforehand that, to keep the program ticking over as normal. And, and we had dinner together and, and watched the game as a group and, um, the ebbs and flows in that game were just unbelievable. And I was taking notes on my phone throughout the whole game, anticipating at the start of the last quarter, it was looking like it was going to be Giants facing us. And then all of a sudden, Vixens have come back from a 10-goal deficit and stolen it in the dying moments. It was an unbelievable final quarter. And even the last 40 seconds was just on the edge of your seat, stressful nightmare type of stuff. So um, very exciting and, and very keen to have another crack against the Vixens, that's for sure. Yeah, they recovered to win by one point, the Vixens, pulling off one of the most miraculous, as you mentioned, final quarter comebacks in recent memory to progress to the grand final on Sunday. So what does that do for the Vixens? Uh, you know, if you look at what's happened, momentum's a great thing and they got momentum in the final term. So they feel quite buoyed coming to Perth, suggesting uh, that they have maybe peaked form-wise at the right time. Yeah, it's a really interesting proposition, I think. You know, we found our best game in the major semi-final. We now have the opportunity to have some extended time to prepare and freshen up the bodies and minds and, and really concentrate on us. And then the Vixens have to go through the emotional toll of playing in a prelim and, and scrapping and fighting to get into the grand final and full credit to them for the way that they handled that occasion. So you almost feel like when you get to a grand final, the build-up of both teams becomes irrelevant because the 60 minutes of that grand final is just hell for leather and both teams giving everything they want. So everything they've got, sorry, to, to get the result they want. So it's going to be a great game irrespective of each team's journey or story to get to that final. And, you know, we're expecting the Vixens at their very best. And I'm sure the Vixens are expecting us at our very best too. So 
um, a level playing field and it's hopefully going to be a great contest of great netball. Well, a lot of people are saying that the Fever are in sensational form. You've got them humming. There's no question about that. And, you know, people like Kath Cox, uh, a netball superstar here in Australia, believes that the team in green will never have a better chance to win their maiden uh, premiership. She's basically been quoted and said, I feel like if the Fever can't win it this year in Perth, then they'll never going to win it. Uh, pretty strong comment there from Kath Cox. Is it as is it as def, definite as that, do you think? Oh, I don't think so at all. I think we're a good a chance as the Vixens are, two quality teams. We certainly believe that we're capable. We certainly believe that we're peaking at the right time in the season. And we certainly believe that our journey over the past 12 months has led us to this point for a reason. So we're confident. We believe we can. We know we're going to have to work even harder than what we did in the semi-final to beat the Vixens. And they're going to have to work equally hard to try and beat us as well. So it's going to be a great game. And we're not, we're not too interested in what the external are saying, to be honest. It really sits within our inner sanctum and what we believe and how we feel and what we think. And, um, you know, we're well-placed and, and we're going to be as ready as we possibly can be for Sunday. And most importantly, enjoy it. And if we enjoy playing the game in that type of circumstance, we should go pretty well. Saying that, when you look at the way you've played, particularly in the big game, it's been your full court pressure and your patient ball handling. And in the end, your hunger for the contest. Have they been the major attributes for the fever this season? Oh, absolutely. I think our form throughout the home and away season was really held back through the amount of COVID impact and injuries and illness and changes to the team week to week we had to have because of we were bringing players back from COVID or players were out and we really had to exhaust our full squad of 15 to field teams at times. So I was actually really comfortable that we weren't getting great continuity through the home and away season, but we're still winning matches by not playing anywhere near our best. And um, I think for us over the past three to four weeks, we've been able to really refine and get some continuity in the lineup um, and target those key areas of our game, which we know are really hard to beat. So, um, we're clear on what we need to do. We're clear on what's really hard to play against. And, um, you know, we're confident in our toolkit that we've got enough to be able to handle anything that's thrown at us. So um, that's the beauty of the season we've had. We're prepared, we're robust, and most importantly, we're confident. So it's going to be a great one. It'll be interesting to see. And she's probably got one of the biggest assignments in the grand final. And if she executes it properly, it may be one of the factors that maybe get the Vixens up. Uh, former West Coast Fever defender Olivia Lewis is preparing, no doubt, for Janelle Fowler. That's going to be a very important contest come Sunday. Yeah, Will, and they've obviously been using um, Emily Mannix in that goalkeeper role as well. And, and no, I guess no defender really had a lot of luck against Janelle um, in the semi-final, but I think that was more a reflection of, of how we played than how they played, to be honest. And we really challenged them and had to make decisions. And, um, you know, they've, they've done very well defensively against us in the home and away season, where I think we were a little bit ill-disciplined in attack and weren't willing to work hard enough to do what we needed to do. Um, and I've seen a significant shift in that over the past month. So we need to reproduce that. At the end of the day, um, if we can have four threats in that front line, we make it really hard for the Vixens to win ball because we know that they're going to be really ball-hungry early to try and get some turnover against us. So we're clear on what that looks like and what we need to do. So what's the program from now being a Wednesday evening? Of course, the match is at 5 o'clock, RAC Arena this Sunday. Uh, Dan, what will be the, uh, the program from here until the big one? 
Yeah, so we'll have our final um, team training session on Thursday night where we have our male training partners in and our extended squad. And a lot of that session is, is very much match play scrimmage scenarios. It's, it's, it's a pretty heavy session in terms of taking each other on. So that'll be our main focus tomorrow. And the girls will have a light mobility session on, on Friday morning and, and then a final um, polish off session, I guess, a captain's run at RAC Arena on Saturday morning. And, and then it's game time Sunday. So very much a standard training week as we would if we were playing any game on a on a Sunday afternoon and, and just making sure that we are maximising every single time we have to rest and recover and making sure that we're fresh to be able to dive pretty deep in how hard we need to work on, on Sunday at 5pm. And what about yourself, 37 years of age, you've coached in the best leagues and championships in the world, what would this mean to Dan Ryan? Oh, be a dream come true to be honest. It's it's been a it's been a dream ride here at West Coast Fever in terms of this team and this environment and the support I have around me here. I'm thriving every day in my job, and you know the players and the staff are bringing the best out of me, and I hope that I'm doing the same to them as well. So I'm living the dream essentially in in coaching this team, and would love nothing more than to be able to help contribute to a historic win for the club and. You know, we've discussed that. We, we know what we want to achieve. We know how hard it's going to be to get there. But we're in with a chance. And when you've got a chance, you've got to take it. So um, we'll give it everything and, and leave no stone unturned, that's for sure. And just finally, you have coached, of course, in England, even, I think, in Northern Ireland and here in Australia. Uh, what about the state of Super Netball, particularly if the West Coast Fever win, what it will do for football in this state? Uh, for netball yeah, I think in this it's, um, Did I say football? Netball, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a great opportunity. You know, it's, you know, West Coast Fever has a great profile here in WA and it's a sport, it's a sporting mad state and we would love nothing more than to just even raise the profile once again and, and not just give netball fans here, but sporting fans across the state something to be really proud of. And our club has been a, around for 25 years and we've never achieved the ultimate success in a national competition. And, um, there's no reason why we can't be the first team to do it. And it's certainly going to be a bit of an extra added motivation come game time on Sunday. I'm excited. Many people are excited and it's going to be a fantastic event. Five o'clock our time, Sunday, ROC Arena, and it is a sellout. So they're looking at about 14,000 people. And I reckon, Dan, they'll make a heck of a noise. That's the plan, mate. That is the plan. Good on you, mate. Congratulations on getting there. That was just a stellar performance uh, against the Vixens in the major semi-final at John Kane Arena uh, back a couple of weeks ago. That has got you there now. We wish you the best of luck. And in the end, it's our time. I think it's the West Coast Fever's time to be the Super Netball Champions. And let's hope uh, that is the case Sunday night. Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate, and fingers crossed. Appreciate it. Good on you. Dan Ryan, the coach of the West Coast Fever, joining us. And that is a big event. As I said, uh, we've got a couple of big ones here on the weekend. The one here at Optus Stadium, the Wallabies taking on England in the uh, the big rugby test series, three of those being staged. We've got the first one here. And then Sunday night, RAC Arena, uh, and there'll be a, a huge crowd there. As I said, it's a sellout and the match between the West Coast Fever and the Melbourne Vixens. Looking forward to that. And go the Fever. We, sh- we wish them the best of luck. We're going to take a break, come back with more in a moment. Uh, also coming up a bit later on, we'll speak to Braden Quartermain, the football and sports journalist from the West Australian. He's been right across uh, the West Coast Eagles and also the Fremantle Dockers on training and some of the news that's being bandied around uh, those clubs leading into this big weekend for both. Uh, that's coming up. A little bit later on. It's a quarter past five. 
The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Of course, Wimbledon is underway, and if there's one thing you can say about Nick Kyrgios's matches, they're rarely dull. And, of course, he had that five-set victory over Britain's Paul Jubb in the first round at Wimbledon overnight, and that was, in case, no exception. And, of course, his media conference also was no exception, entertaining. And would you believe, I don't think I've ever seen it before, did you see it, fellas, Bray and Jimmy, he was eating while the media conference was on, he sort of paused and made it look like noodles or pasta or something. He leant over and he was scoffing um, food as he was answering questions. I'll tell you what, here's just a snippet of a couple of things that he had to say I think you'll find very amusing. You were overheard today about you were having a bit of an interaction with yeah. the line judges. And at one point, I think you said, you're in your 90s, you can't see the ball. No, I said most of the umpires are older and I just don't think that's ideal when you're playing a sport of such small margins because factually people that are younger have better eyesight okay. do you not think that's appropriate when you're playing at a sport for hundreds and thousands of dollars do you not think that we should have people that are really ready to call the ball in and out is it an age thing though I mean, well factually does someone have a better eyesight when they're younger what do you mean, not necessarily? <laughs> but what does he mean? What do you mean, not necessarily? But they probably, I don't know if they have to Okay, but just that, that, that specific thing. I hit a ball in. Right. The old man called it out. It was in. So, so arguably, if the guy was 40, he may not have called that out. Yeah, but he may be 60 and may have 20-20 vision. You don't know that. But in that case, he got the call wrong. Okay, we're going to move on to... Young people get a call wrong, don't they? Okay. I don't understand the question, though. Great win today. You were asked after the match about Andy Murray doing an underarm serve. I just wonder, people look to you as the person that's made that kind of trendy again. Um, it's kind of a very old-school kind of tactic. I just wonder if you can talk on that point, that kind of impact, I guess, you've had on the wider game. Well, I actually remember the first time I <clears throat> did it was against Nadal and Acapulco. And you actually watch it back. Everyone should just watch it back because the commentators are like, oh, what's he done here? That's so disrespectful. Like, why would you do that? And then now it's like, oh, so smart. Andy Murray, so smart. <laughs> and I'm just like, what on earth? Like, I'm playing Rafa Nadal for like three hours. I couldn't win a point and I threw in one under. I'm so nervous. Oh, I don't know if there's a place for the game in that. And now, like, everyone does it now and it's like, they're a genius. So, like... I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that people are realising that's a different way to win the point, but I think it's just hilarious. There you go. That's Nick Kyrgios. And the other thing that I want to play, and it would have been completely understandable for Yelena Dockage to take a leave of absence from our TV screens during this year's Wimbledon Championships. After all, the former Aussie tennis star turned commentator recently poured her heart out on social media uh, about nearly taking her own life earlier this year. Now, the devastating admission from the 39-year-old star sparked an outpouring of support. And the former world number four thanked fans for her incredible messages on social media today. Have a listen. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to do a very quick video to say a huge thank you to all of you for your incredible kindness and support and love after my last Instagram post. 
to get more than 20,000 messages and comments and emails and phone calls is, is just unbelievable. So thank you so much. I will forever be grateful. And you guys are just helping me so much. Uh, there are just not enough words to describe how grateful and thankful I am. So thank you. Uh, also, I just wanted to do a quick update because there's been a lot of concern since my last post. But I just want to let you all know that I'm doing okay. I'm doing a lot better uh, than I was in April. I'm getting all the help that I need and uh, I'm taking it a day at a time. I'm on the road to recovery. I'm, I'm taking small steps forward every single day and, uh, and I'll be back. I'll be back uh, better than ever and stronger than ever. Uh, also, I wanted to just quickly talk about that last post because uh, that was not something that was easy for me to do, but I've always been open and honest and, and vulnerable with you all, especially in the last few years. So I felt like it was important to do that this time around as well. Because there are a lot of people that are uh, struggling out there uh, when it comes to when it comes to mental health, and uh, we need to have more open conversations uh, about it, and we need to destigmatize um, the conversation around mental health. So that's why I feel like it was incredibly important um, uh, to to talk about it, to talk about my experience and my struggles, and um, hopefully it can it can help someone out there. Um, in their own struggles and, and hopefully can help someone out there as as a message of hope and also knowing that you're not alone. So that's also ultimately what it is as well. It's a message of hope. Just know you're not alone in your struggles. Um, there, there is hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, if, you, if you feel like giving up, please don't. Please keep believing. Please keep fighting. Uh, go, please go a day at a time and uh, just please know and believe that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you all. Send you all so much love. Bye. Yeah, well done. Uh, Yelena Dokic, who is part of the, the coverage of Wimbledon on Australian uh, TV screens, the Nine Network and Stan, uh, pl- pasting, uh, posting that uh, video a bit early on her Instagram account after what was... Uh, Quite a scary revelation uh, some months ago. And she did have a very tough upbringing when you look at her father, Damir Dokic, who, um, as we know, uh, was very unpredictable and certainly caused her a lot of distress uh, during her tennis career. 25 past five. We'll speak to Braden Quartermain after the break, but I'd like to get your thoughts on this. On the temper at Bedshed text line, 0487 736736. Bedshed are experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au or you can give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 131255. Now, I reckon the AFL's gone too far. I can't believe that James Sicily has been fined $1,000 for taking off Aaron Norton's headband. What a joke. What a joke. He was handed the fine for misconduct. Misconduct during a scuffle involving Norton. And he's taken his headband off. Well, Bruce Dool, I don't know if you remember Bruce Dool in the 70s, always used to wear a headband. The Carlton halfback flanker. It would have been ripped off his head a million times. I just reckon the AFL has completely, 
completely lost the plot here. Um, he took Norton's headband off, during which he, uh, the key forward's headband was ripped off and tempers were flared a bit and James Sisley said, bugger you, and had a bit of fun and, and took his headband off. And today, the Hawthorne star was fined $1,000, and rightfully so. He's now challenging the fine via a written submission to the AFL Tribunal. But the fact he was fined in the first place has stunned a lot of footballers. I know Jack Revolt was very vocal on it on uh, Fox footy last night. It is ridiculous. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Get on the uh, temper of bedshed text line. I reckon the AFL's lost the plot in a lot of areas at the moment. 0487 736 736. I did a... And you've probably, if you've been following the program, I did a football function at East Perth on Saturday lunchtime, and Mel Brown was present and took the microphone. Let me tell you, he's not a huge fan of Gillam McLaughlin. Unbelievable what he said about the outgoing AFL CEO. Uh, I won't repeat it because I'd get thrown off air. But, you know, some of the decisions that are being made are, are very, very poor indeed. Uh, on the temperate bedshed tech sign, that's a, a fine every day of the week, Pete. Love the show. What, taking the headband off is a fine every day of the week? Please. Love to get your thoughts on it. 0487 736 736. Talk about sanitising football. That takes the cake. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Great to have your company, Andrew from Dalkeith, uh, regarding the headband. You know what I said before the break, the fact that James Sisley's been fined $1,000, and I reckon it's a joke. But anyway, uh, there's a couple here. Uh, that's a fine every day of the week. Pete loved the show. Andrew from Dalkeith deserves the fine. High contact is high contact. And I've just been told during the break, you can't touch uh, equipment, players' equipment, and the headband is part of Aaron Norton's football equipment, so you can't touch it. Braden Quartermain is a very respected football and sports journalist at the West Australian. Love reading his stuff. Also like getting his opinion. Braden, good evening to you. Pete, were you, were you a fan of Pat Cash, were you? You not so much respect for the headband. Oh, please. I remember now, I'm older than you. I'm older than you. I'm older than Jimmy and Bray, my producers. But I remember Bruce Dool. Halfback flanker for Carlton had the headband, would have had it ripped off every week to try and upset him. But these days, to get a thousand dollar fine, I see James Sicily's appealing to it. What are your thoughts on? It? I know a rules are well, rules. I tell you what, there's been some there's been some hair pulling ones, and I saw a replay the other day from a few years ago. I tell you what, I would rather have my headband pulled uh, than my hair. And Aaron Norton's got a fair bit of hair you could have pulled as well. So yeah. I think he got off uh, got off pretty easily. Yeah, so it is a rule. You can't touch his headband, otherwise it is part of his uh, footy attire, and you'll get fined for it. And that's what's happened to James Sicily, I gather. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's a sort of a, a humorous aside. I mean, there was a much more serious uh, tribunal incident really this week, wasn't there? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, fine or new fine, it, it's all pretty good theatre, um, I thought. And you know, um, that these most of these blokes aren't uh, aren't too short of money either yeah. to uh, to pay a little fine. Anyway, it's interesting. Uh, another busy week uh, of footy. We mentioned, of course, uh, Tom Stewart. I don't think many people were that surprised. I think four weeks, uh, many many were predicting that three would be probably a bit lenient. Five might be too much. And I think four is the middle ground. And uh, that's what he's got. So he's out for the next four games. Saying that, uh, let's have a look at West Coast and Fremantle. 
West Coast do travel to MCG to take on Richmond. Nick Natanui, you'd think, after doing the press conference yesterday, is a certain to come in, Braden. Yeah, he'll come in. Um, you know, I mean, he never he never rucks. A, I never plays a huge amount of ground time anyway, sort of, uh, you know, around that um, 60% mark often. So it'll, uh, it probably won't be, you know, too much different to normal. Uh, I guess the, the biggest issue is... Um, just you know, who do they go with in terms of with him? So either Bailey Williams or um, or Callum Jamison will have to come out of the team. You would have thought. Well, as with Jeremy McGovern's interesting. Uh, the West Coast put out an update yesterday that uh, you know he's recovering okay, but uh, there's still a bit of work to do. Any idea how long he could possibly be out for, Braden? From what you're hearing. Well, it could it could be the season? I, I think there may have even been some some lung damage as well. I think it's a bit more uh, serious than sort of you know, what they fled on. I think it was more than just the ribs. Um, you know, I think he's, he's, he's okay. He's fine. But, and as we know, you know, he's had a terrible run because he, he played the grand final in 2018 with some serious internal injuries as well. So um, I don't think it's related, but yeah, we, we, he suffered a serious injury. So yeah, if it gets back, if he gets back, I think it might be more just the last week or two of the season. So, I, you know, it won't, it won't be a lot, but I guess the main thing from here is that he just, you know, makes a, a good, strong recovery and can uh, can have a good summer. And, and it's a shame because he had a great summer, you know, the summer gone, uh, you know, as a few equals did, and it's all sort of <laughs> turned to custard pretty quick, didn't it? But he, he really had a great summer and he's just had bad luck and interruptions, you know, all season. Where do you see Dom Sheed? Now, when they talk hotspot, you just don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting sort of uh, commentary on an injury. Uh, what about Dom Sheed? Uh, at the moment, again, he's being assessed. We don't know how long he could be sidelined for after, of course, coming back for one week. Yeah, I think he's got a, another scan later this week. It, it, it doesn't sound great at all, does it, generally? Um, it, it sounds like they want some more confirmation just to work out exactly what it is. But, I mean, if, if there are you know, even the early signs of a, of a stress fracture. There's only, uh, what, eight games to go. So, yeah, you think um, that, that might be nearly curtains for him and, unless they obviously get some good news and it's sort of not, not what they're fearing. But I think they're um, hoping by the end of this week they'll uh, sort of know, you know, where he's at with that. So before we leave the West Coast, they take on the Tigers at the MCG. Last weekend, it was the West Coast Eagle Football Club general best weekend of the season. Of course, with the AFL side beating Essendon and the Waffle side recording their first win of the season. And a few of the players, of course, going around there, including Nick Natanui. Uh, your thoughts on uh, their next task? Well, it's going to be uh, going to be tough, isn't it? We know what happened, you know, not too long ago. Um, yeah, it, I mean, these teams were great great rivals and played some great games, didn't they, uh, not too long ago. But certainly Richmond look like they're on the up at the moment. Um, you know, obviously just missed out the other day, but they'll they'll still be, uh, you know, pushing pretty hard in terms of uh, top four, top six, and certainly top eight uh, picture, I think. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be really tough for the Eagles. But, you know, um, the, the until last week, the Eagles hadn't won until the last time they had not played. And we've sort of seen how they've, they've just really missed him, haven't they, with the two young Ruckman in there. Um, just not not giving a you know the sort of impetus you get with Natanui, so uh, you know no doubt he'll make a difference even off uh, you know limited fitness and, and limited game time. What about Fremantle now? They're back home. They take on Port Adelaide. Uh, it's a big game, three twenty on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I was a bit disappointed, and I think a lot of people were with their efforts against Carlton and a couple of their senior stages. In of course, Nat Fife and David Mundy uh, really showed their age. They struggled last week. What's the read on Fremantle, Braden, from your point of view? 
Oh, I think we can forgive them that one because they've had some great, you know, road wins this year, and you can't win them all, can you? You know, you're you totally unbeaten. So, I mean, it is huge though because the this week, I mean, the, like they're ten and four now, and and just look at the ladder, how congested it is. You know, the pure maths say that you you can't really lose, you know, any more than five or six games in a season to finish top four, really. So they now they've now lost four. There's not not much room to move, really. So yeah, absolutely. A game like this at home, it's just simply a must win mm. uh, for them to finish top four. Yeah, I mean, Fife himself said um, after his waffle comeback that he would take six weeks. So um, you know, a, a quick deck at Marvel probably um, you know probably didn't help didn't help him um, for the games we played like that. Um, you know, he, he should be better. Um, you know, better for the run, you'd think. And you know, the, the buy probably seemed like it came at a a good time for him to get his soreness out, but perhaps in terms of, uh, you know, getting form, he probably needs to, I guess, get used to the sort of, um, you know, cycle of playing week in, week out. So, yeah, hopefully he, he builds over the next couple of weeks because he obviously looked, um, you know, pretty handy that first game he came back. Yeah, they struggled to kick goals, uh, didn't they, uh, the uh, Fremantle Dockers, against a undermanned Carlton defence. Only kicked, I think, seven uh, in total. So saying that, they're back on the home deck and they take on a desperate Port Adelaide. How do you read this game on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, well, Freo t- t- could be too strong. Just speaking about the forward line, I reckon who's, um, you know, uh, really being missed is Sam Skwitkowski, isn't he? I'm not sure if he's underrated or overrated or what he is now, but he's just a good player. He's quick and he's important and he just sets a lot up. So uh, Michael Walters is a chance to come back. So, you know, he'll, he'll be a help. Walters probably played his best game he's, was his, of the season, was his last game. Um, just writing about that at the moment for tomorrow's paper. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll, the, the, the chance to get him back, they'll train. They've got their main session in the morning, the Dockers. So, if Walters gets back, yeah, he'll be a, he'll be a chance, and um, that'll be a help. Uh, one interesting story, actually, uh, Pete, with this game, is uh, we could potentially see uh, twin brothers playing against each other. So, Michael Frederick, of course, at Frio, uh, he's got his brother uh, and twin Marty Frederick, who's a defender uh, for Port Adelaide. But uh, the interesting thing is Port have got a lot of blokes coming back and we're not too sure whether, whether Marty's going to hold his spot. So um, we're still waiting on, on sort of selection to see where that goes. But, you know, potentially a great story, um, you know, if, if they were to play against each other and potentially even match up on each other mm. uh, at, at stages of the, of the game as well. Interesting. Uh, looking at the AFL ladder, uh, Braden, as it stands at the moment, heading into the final third of the season, at the moment, Melbourne are on top with 11 wins and three losses. Uh, the top side could actually finish the home and away season, you know, 17 wins and maybe five losses or something like that, which normally would get you into the bottom part of the eight. Uh, this could be certainly now a top part of the eight. So there's still plenty of room uh, in relation for Geelong, who are second, Brisbane, Fremantle, all on 40 points, 10 wins. Uh, as is Carlton, and then, of course, Sydney, Collingwood, and a further game back on uh, eight wins is the Western Bulldogs. What about the sides outside? Uh, Your rating on, you think Richmond, St Kilda, Gold Coast, and Port Adelaide are the only four sides outside the eight that could maybe, if things go their way, sneak in at the expense of one of those clubs that are currently in there. How do you read the final third of the season? And could could a side like Gold Coast sneak in? I think many people fancy Richmond to play finals, however. It's hard to see Richmond, uh, yeah, missing now. Just just firstly on, on Melbourne, you, you mentioned, and, and a lot of people probably assume, well, I mean, they're a game and a fair bit of percentage clear now. Melbourne have just about got the toughest run home of anybody. I don't think it's inconceivable that Melbourne can miss the top four. So I mean that would be that would be incredible, but 
um, you know, Melbourne's got a, a really tough run. They've, you know, they play sort of fellow finalists nearly every week in the run home. So, yeah, I still don't think sort of Melbourne are any sort of lock for, for top spot, even though they're obviously, you know, best part of two games, I suppose, clear mm. at the moment, given mm. their percentage. But, yeah, they, they've got, you know, a really tough run. If they were to, to lose a midfield as well, I mean, Gorn's probably not going to be out for very long. So, um, I guess the band will be back together pretty quickly. But, you know, they they do need to be up for, for a lot of challenges. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a huge amount of um, sort of movement at the bottom end. I mean, St Kilda's the interesting team. Look, looks uh, pretty good at one point, didn't they? So yeah. um, at the moment, it'd be probably pretty hard to to pick them to, to finish finals. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be? And, and you know, if, if there is a team to come from, I mean, Richmond are ninth at the moment, I suppose. We, we, we think they're a good chance to make it. But if there's one team below Richmond who could, who could make it, I reckon it's probably Gold Coast. And, and wouldn't that be, you know, amazing after, you know, we think that's the club where Alistair Clarkson probably saw his future yeah, yeah. And, and Stuart Jew under just all sorts of pressure, um, you know, with his, with his job on the line. I mean, for, for his, imagine if they could grab eights in the, in the year where sort of Clarkson was sitting around mm-hmm. for the job. That, that, that would be an incredible achievement, uh, you know, the, for the club's finally their first ever finals appearance and for Stuart Jew to do it, you know, under this sort of pressure. Um, it'd be pretty special, I would have thought. Yeah, no, it'd be fantastic. Uh, certainly would be. Thanks for joining us, Braden. We appreciate it. Bring us up to date with what's happening at Fremantle and the Eagles and your thoughts on uh, certainly the season going forward. We look forward to your read tomorrow uh, on Michael Walters in the West. And uh, thanks for spending some time with us tonight here on uh, SEN Drive. Cheers, mate. Good to chat. Good on you. Braden Quartermain joining us on the program from the West Australian. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back with more in a moment, uh, plus just recapping some of the other stories that are going around. Pl- uh, play has resumed for session three uh, in the uh, opening day of the first test between Sri Lanka and Australia. Uh, Mendes has just been dismissed by Nathan Lyon. Lyon is now three for 81. Uh, and Mendes was out for 22. Sri Lanka is seven for 193, and the ball is spinning. Now, Nathan Lyons are a prodigious turner of the ball, but the wicket uh, certainly is taking spin, and it is turning prodigiously for Nathan Lyon on the third session of the opening day of the first test in Gaul. Back with more in a moment here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Great to have your company on the program. Just uh, the AFLW draft is currently underway. And Damien Fleming, the former Australian Fast bowler. His daughter, Jasmine, has been drafted with pick number two to Hawthorne. So that's what's happening at the AFLW draft. And if there's some WA players picked up between now and six, we'll bring that to you. Uh, on the Temper of Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. Uh, of course, Bedshed are experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. Check it uh, online. Visit bedshed.com.au. Hi, Peter. What's your thoughts on Nick Kyrgios and his constant on-court antics? I find it hard to watch James from Canning Vale. Yeah, it does become a bit difficult at times to view, but as I said, I think it's more becomes difficult to uh, consume if you're a bit more of a tennis purist. The people that follow tennis a bit closely, players, officials, maybe even broadcasters and and journalists that, that actually 
live and breathe tennis as part of their sports charter will find it a bit difficult. But the man that just comes and goes and the person that just comes and goes and wants to be entertained, uh, I think, uh, enjoy the tactics and the antics of Nick Kyrgios. What was interesting, I was in New York in 2019 and I thought I'd go to the US Open at, uh, at Queens. So I went along and, you know, all the big names were playing on various courts. And Nick Kyrgios was playing on not Arthur Ashe, but one, I think it was Louis Armstrong, which is another big court, very similar to Margaret Court uh, Arena at the Australian Open in Melbourne. You could not get in. It was a full house. He had the biggest crowd, more people watching Nick Kyrgios than some of the other big names that were playing at the same time. And, you know, I went there to see him. I thought, I'll get in. Who's going to watch Nick? You know, an Australian who's ranked sort of in the top 50, but, you know, in the lower rungs. You could not get in. The queue was that uh, significant. So this is in the United States of America, let alone going here to Melbourne Park. So he's certainly a crowd puller. Uh, I think every time he goes on court, there will be a headline written or a question asked of him at the press conference. But for those people that didn't see it, and we mentioned it a bit earlier in the program, I thought it was hilarious. I, I, think, he, I think he needs to be told, you can't take your lunch or dinner to an after-match press conference. Because as you heard, have a listen. If you didn't hear it earlier, have a listen to this, and I'll cut it off. But he was, he was eating and munching while he was answering the first question. Have a, have a listen. You were overheard today about you were having a bit of a interaction with yeah. the line judges. And at one point, I think you said, you're in your 90s, you can't see the ball. No, I said most of the umpires are older. And I just don't think that's ideal when you're playing a sport of such small margins. Because So there you go. He was eating, he was belching, he was smacking his lips. That's not a good look. That's not a good look, Nick. Don't take your lunch or your dinner, whatever the time of the day it was, uh, to a press conference. Do your press conference and go to the players' lounge and eat there. So, you know, I just thought that was no good. But saying that, there's been questions asked of Nick, and as I said, he's a real entertainer. He's the maybe the next generation. What were we saying about... John McEnroe, previous generations. Even Leighton Hewitt was a bit of a brat when he started. And of course, as he matured, he became a bit more conservative with his play. I'm not sure Nick's going to turn around, but in the end, he's still playing. Got through the first round, and who knows how deep he'll go into the tournament. But he's his own worst enemy. Just some other news. We mentioned St Kilda uh, having a bit of a bad run at the moment. Some good news today. Rowan Marshall has uh, signed a new contract, and what a star he's going to be going forward for the Saints. Pretty excited to announce it. Um, I signed for another five years at St Kilda Footy Club, so um, I love the place so much. I love all the boys, all the staff here, so, um, yeah, really excited to stay on for another five years. Yeah, missed out on getting drafted, um, probably as a 19-year-old, um, and then stuck at it, spent a couple of years at VFL at North Ballarat, and then, yeah, Saints, Saints took the punt on me with pick 10 and, um, in the rookie draft, so... Yeah, I was lucky enough to land up here and um, sort of battled away for a couple of years, but eventually found my way in the um, senior side. And um, yeah, here it, I guess here it is now. So um, yeah, super excited. I think I've still got a fair bit of improvement left in me. Um, my footy's probably been uh, a little bit up and down this year, but um, yeah, I think I can still definitely learn a lot of things. Um, I've been working a fair bit with Brendan Laid and Paddy and um, yeah, Paddy Ryder and stuff like that. So yeah, I've, I've definitely still got a bit of improvement left in me. We're all um, striving towards that second premiership. Um, 
you know, we all sort of dream about it and it would be unreal to, um, yeah, bring that home here to Moorabbin. So um, we're all striving towards that goal and it's great to have Maxi and Steely on board um, with that. Yeah, well, they better start winning a few games and firstly getting into the eight if they're going to try and win that elusive premiership uh, there second since 1966. Nathan Lyon has got his fourth wicket, four for 81 he's got at the moment, and Sri Lanka uh, currently eight for 198 on the opening day of the first test against Australia. Thanks, Bray. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, it is footy selection night tomorrow night with Kim Hagdon, who'll be in the studio with me from five. I'll see you then.